My name is Jonathan Ricci, and you are listening to the F1 Podcast. What's up, everyone? It is Ricci here, bringing you back the F1 Podcast. Today is August 30th, 2023. Crazy to think that August is almost over, and now we're going to head into September. I'm here with my amazing co-hosts, Andrew and Erica. Thank you guys for joining me midweek for another episode to cover the Dutch Grand Prix, which, no surprise, Max Verstappen wins again. But before we get into that, how are you both doing? I know, Erica, you were at the Jays game the other day uh, on Looney Dogs night. And Andrew, I know you are a busy man, so I appreciate you coming last minute. So thank you, planning all your wedding stuff. Yeah, it is the season. It's so busy. I didn't realize there was so much stuff to do. I wasn't busy, but I was busy shoving hot dogs in my face. Fun fact, they now let you get more than four in one sitting. And if you do, they shove them in an empty hot dog bun bag. And Ew. that's how... Do a barrel <laughs> roll! No, I'm not going to lie. It's hilarious. Everyone's Eric. just carrying empty Eric. dumpsters bags of hot dogs. Erica, confirm or deny you doubled your Looney Dog Day record. I did. What was the over under? The over-under was Marley bet that I would eat over two and a half hot dogs because I typically eat two. Um, and I, I'm proud to say that I doubled my record from an unimpressive two hot dogs to an equally as unimpressive four hot dogs. <laughs> Joey Chestnut, be ready. She coming after you. I did eat them so fast, though. It was people were a little concerned that I would choke, but that was a different story. <laughs> Okay, did you soak it in like water or beer or you just like just just went at it? No, so I had breakfast, but I ran a 5k and didn't eat lunch that day. And so I was just absolutely starving and also had had two drinks by the time we got to the game and my body was just demanding hot dogs <laughs> in that moment. And I ate all four in like six minutes. <laughs> I love that. Andrew, what's your what's your over under? Oh, how many have you done at Jay's game? And actually people write in the comment section below, what's the most hot dogs they've done at Looney Night? I've done minus since six. My body just kind of shuts down after five and it just feels <laughs> like, you know, it's kind of like Ethel's Taco Tuesday. For those who don't know this, there was a Taco Tuesday. Like there was a lounge in Waterloo where we went to school. Um, that serve two dollars taco nights on Tuesday. You get four tacos for two bucks, and I've done twelve. But I knew roommates that would do sixteen, and their body was just shaking. I think the, the most I ever did was eight at Ethel's. I do shout out to Taylor Smith if you're listening, but I do remember she didn't know you were allowed to take the extras home, and she shoved a couple in her bra, and then came to <laughs> dodgeball after. So. Legend. That's a great story. She wouldn't mind me sharing that. She shares That's it with strangers. Awesome. So. <laughs> okay, so basically what I'm hearing is I have the record for the most hot dogs at a Jays game at seven out of the I think out I of could do it. Podcast. I was full after four, but I had eaten all four by the end of the second inning. And I felt fine after. No, so. I went for a walk after like five. <laughs> Great, you can attest. I went for a long walk. I did like two laps at the stadium. I missed half the game. Anyways, okay, on that note. You know uh, where there isn't loony dogs? Zanvort. <laughs> so I I don't know about you guys, but I think this was probably the best race of the season. I think we saw a lot and even a new driver entering the grid. Um, but let's first start before we kind of get into it. We're sitting at 586. 86, thank you, followers. We only need 14 more. Please let your friends follow us. Tell them, please. Yes, exactly. So continue to support us on 
Instagram as we try to get to the road to 600 and 1,000 by the end of 2023. Uh, so I guess let's kind of get into it. First, first and foremost, we all knew this was going to be a weekend that Red Bull were to dominate. What stood out to you in Zandvoort this weekend? Uh, I would say the Dutch fans, first and foremost. Like, sorry, I'm just joking. No racing aside, the Dutch fans, they were partying at every moment during the race. Only added to the incredible hype that was uh, Sunday's race. But really what stood out for me was just how Mother Nature couldn't figure out her mind between rain and sun. And rain. And rain. And I mean like <laughs> downpour of rain at one point in the race. Like from a dry start to a, like within 10 minutes, everybody's going on the intermediates for the wet side. Which that I think they were like... I want to say about 70 or 80 takeovers within the first 10 minutes of the race because of, you know, changing positions. People stayed out on the slicks. Like, I don't know how Albon was able to make that work because George wasn't able to make that work. You know, Mercedes kind of screwed the pooch there on strategy this weekend, which is kind of an eye opener for me in the early parts of the race. You know, Haas was able to take advantage of it early with K-Mag starting in the pit lane and ended up being, I think, P7 by the time it was like lap 10. And uh, he had the intermediates on. Oh, then it got dry. And then it just poured again with a couple red flags. It was quite the race to remember. And thankfully, one with just some character and some involvement after the summer break. It kind of goes off what we were talking about last week during our midseason recap. We were asking for more drama that we hadn't really got since Australia. And I don't know what you pray to if you pray at all or what strange forces in the universe were listening in on our conversation but they delivered this was not just the race but qualifying was entertaining and exciting even some of the practice sessions were entertaining and exciting there was a lot going on this weekend and it was so fun to kind of watch all of it like i just re-watched the race before we did like we did this recording because i was like gosh i feel like there's stuff i was missing and I could be wrong, but I believe like you're talking about the overtakes. I think F1 said this was the most overtakes ever. I don't know in a race over, was it a race overall? Race overall. So yeah, the Dutch Grand Prix turned out to be no less than 186 overtakes, which is a record. This number ex is exclusive pit stops and lap one overtakes. Of these 186 overtakes, 59 of them were broadcasted live. And then of this large number of overtakes, Fernando Alonso alone performed 13 of them. Jeez. <laughs> wow. I know in the broadcast, they were saying that this would have been his first win in 10 seasons. And I was kind of hoping something crazy would happen and he would have that pull out. But Fernando wow. also set the record for longest interval between first and most recent podium. Schumacher so held the record years. when, yeah, when he think he was, it was like when he got one with a I believe he got a problem with Mercedes. I'm not too sure, but it's it was now for Fernando. It's like seven. It's over seven thousand days between his first podium and his most recent podium as well. So and, hats and off to Aston Martin. We got it right this weekend for once. Let's go. So actually, I really want to talk about Fernando's driving because you know we did talk about like how teams were going to perform after this weekend. But if you remember, Andrew Michael Schumacher's last podium, Fernando Alonso was on it and uh, Kimi Raikkonen were on the podium that day. If there's a team that needed to bounce back this weekend, 
I think it was definitely Fernando Alonso. And I think he gave probably one of his impressive drives of the season to able to stay consistent within the top three. And, you know, it almost came close to him battling uh, Max. And what are your thoughts, uh, Andrew? Alp, uh, not Alpines, but like Alp, uh, mm, tongue twister, <laughs> wrong teams. Let's talk about Alpine later. But yeah, how did Aust- the other A team, Austin Martin, perform in your eyes? You know what I thought? I thought Fernando was exceptional all weekend. He qualified really well. Um, sitting in P5, Lance had a tough weekend this weekend, um, all things considered. But I think I think we have to really just fo- showcase how Fernando was just such a master in the in this changing conditions. He was the one that really called the shots about whether or not he should come in um, at the appropriate, you know, at times that their, their team was, call- the team was calling him for, you know, to, to pit for new changes of tires based on the weather conditions. He said no, stayed out at one point, which really paid dividends for him. You know, when there was eight laps left and they were pulling in from the safety car um, to kind of restart the race, you had a little feeling that he might, he could overtake Max, but he was able to keep within a second there on the, on the intermediates at the end. But, you know, Max in open field is pretty much a guarantee that he's going to win. Um, so I'm very happy with the Fernando P2, uh, all things considered, considering he did beat, you know, he he beat the, the, the fastest car this week overall in terms of, you know, I know Red Bull had the fastest car with Max and they, he was able to beat Checo, mm-hmm. which is great to see. So. I think Aston Martin kind of got it right, but a lot of it had to do with Fernando's tenacity and maturity and just overall experience um, in those changing conditions. I'd agree with that. I mean, you look at what happened with some of the other teams on their tire strategy, and it turns out like as much as people had crazy data because we had some crashes in practice and we were going from wet to dry to whatever, no one really got a good reading on the track. Having that experience and also listening to that experience as a team goes such a long way because we saw issues over at Ferrari we saw issues with some of the other teams like even I think like McLaren leaving some folks out a little longer on track than maybe they should have before pulling them in and switching off slick stuff like that which the team did pay for in the end if you look at where you know Piastri and Norris were going into the race on Sunday so I'm I'm definitely really happy because I think P2, is is that the highest he's finished this season? Was he only P3 when he had nope. been on the podium in he, past races? Or He's finished P2 once or twice. Oh, God. In Canada. Yeah, didn't he, fin- he finished P2 in Canada, I'm pretty sure. Either way, it's great that he's getting another good result for him, whether or not he's been on P2 before or not. So, um... And, like, it's... let's be honest here. I, there's There was no way Max was going to lose this weekend. No, not at all. I think between... His technical skill, which people are like, does he have it? We know he has it. And his car, which continues to blow everyone away. <laughs> it, yeah. it was kind of it was kind of just going to be what it was. And, uh, and not, yeah, not only to add that he also, uh, Alonso did come second in Monza uh, this week, th- uh, this year alone. Um, you mean Monaco? Monaco. Uh, well, probably, <laughs> let's be real, uh, how that car is and the Temple of Speed, it it's probably going to happen. Um, <laughs> so another interesting fact this season, uh, I mean, uh, this this weekend is we saw another driver make their Formula One debut, uh, Liam Lawson. Um, for those that weren't paying attention, you know, Daniel Ricciardo got into a crash in qualifying and he broke his, I think his hand or his 
metacarpal. So it caused him that he could not uh, race. And so Liam had to step in as the reserve driver. And, you know, with only having one practice session in which was terrible conditions, doing decently in qualifying. Well, actually, no, he didn't do well in qualifying, but able to manage himself fine in his first ever race in a, in a track, a crazy track that Zamforth is. Hats off to him. And like, maybe this puts a little bit of like, Pressure. I mean, I mean, we'll have to see it on Daniel Ricardo's like recovery, but he didn't look too shabby this weekend. Liam did. I was really impressed with his driving. If you saw, there were some clips that people were sharing where he overtook Leclerc at one point, and oh. that was textbook. I know for the Ferrari fans, it hurts. If you're someone who's excited about the future of the sport and some of the young talent that we haven't necessarily got to like see because like who would have thought that this would have happened this year i don't think any of us thought ricardo would be back on the track nevertheless liam lawson would be on track super impressive like a to not be last in qualifying and to finish p13 and make up six places like that's that's solid work it just only goes to show how much of a juggernaut that red bull junior program is have a guy like liam lawson just be able to jump in in an f1 car um for the weekend and uh he he took a penalty early for impeding uh in the pit lane which you know kind of sucked but it didn't let him he didn't it didn't let him ruin his race he didn't get affected by it he was able to you know as erica mentioned finish take up six spots right and finish p13 on your debut in those conditions like i think your first race starts with a wet to dry dry to wet to dry to wet like gong show it's just very impressive to see uh, he's been doing, he's been really great on the ranks of especially Formula 2 uh, DTM for the Red Bull AlphaTauri outfit. And uh, he's finally getting rewarded with an opportunity, albeit I understand it's for uh, due to an injury, which sucks. But sometimes those are kind of the moments, right? How, think about DeVries last year, Albon had, a, you know, had to get his appendix removed and he was able to finish P9 in his debut at Williams, able to get him a seat. This year at AlphaTauri didn't go well, but it's those races that stick with people and then really then be able to kind of jump, you know, kind of be able to jump on your F1 growth. So if I could just add there, speaking about, because we love talking about Red Bull, the Red Bull Academy, AlphaTauri alumnus, Pierre Gasly, ninth man on the grid, on the podium this weekend. First of, I mean, he did get that sprint thing, whatever that, wherever what we want to call those. But man, he looked pretty impressive this weekend, even holding, passing Carlos Sainz like it was, like it was no problem, especially with a five second uh, penalty. But I think definitely some helpful moments in a season that was probably not very good. I mean, don't know who he, who he could celebrate because half the team at, Alfred, at uh, Alpine are gone. But, <laughs> you know, it's good to see uh, good to see a race from him and especially a confidence boost from this weekend. Yeah, I'm so happy that Gasser is back on a podium there. I mean, I, I've said it time and again, I feel like he really is talented and has just been unfortunate with some of the the cards he's been dealt over the last few seasons and we saw a lot of promise from Alpine early on then there were just a couple things that fell through the cracks that didn't work out and I'm I'm glad that his race was preserved because Ocon did have the unfortunate strategy choice of going with the full wet tire which kind of been the rest of his race for him so I, I'm very glad that it sucks that that happened for Ocon because as we know, like we do like him too and we'd love to see him succeed and do all kinds of stuff with Alpine. But uh, it, it's really nice for Gasly to have that come back because it's been, was, when, was the last, was la, when was the last time he was on a podium? Was it last season or the season before? 
uh, Azerbaijan uh, 2021. Wow. Wow. It seems like the wet, it seems, I was about to say, it seems like the wet tire is the tire that nobody likes. Remember we were all joking about how hard it was to drive with the hard tire. It seems like nobody wants to do the wet or they struggle with it. But go ahead, Andrew. Sorry about that. I was just going to say like, LP needed this. (laughs) for the absolute internal turmoil that team has been since the whole Piastri situation and drama last year for them to get a podium this year I think it's just a good step in the right direction with new faces coming into the team and hopefully they can carry off from there and add some more excitement to the podiums because now we got nine people on the podium who says this season's boring we got nine people on the podium people that's actually the second podium for Alpine I keep forgetting that Ocon came third in Monaco. Yeah. I, I mean, it, it doesn't help when one team has been winning all the races this season. You don't really mm. think about who else is on the podium. <laughs> well, I don't think about it. You don't, you don't worry about that. Well, I, I mean, you can probably an think about it. You probably think about it, Andrew, because you're probably, you're beating us in the constructors right now. And uh, I guess we're going to have to talk about the elephant in the room. McLaren, I think, tough weekend for them. I think strategy didn't really play. And I think the weather conditions, I think it was all that. It's really funny seeing Lando Norris freak out with his engineers about the tire scenario. Um, if anyone wants to watch a good video, watch the 10 minutes that changed the race. Uh, really interesting seeing the comments out there. We're going to Monza this weekend. I mean, not the F1 podcast, but we wish. Going, yeah. <laughs> the Italian Grand Prix this weekend. It is probably one of the most stressful weekends for, for any Ferrari fan. Home to tor- turf, not looking good going in there. I'm going to be well, very well, Why is it going to be stressful when you guys know that you're not going to do well? You lose. Uh, something about how we've won the most races there out of any constructor and just the feeling of, you know, the Scuderia Ferrari fans, the Temple of Speed, just who was won there. Leclerc in 2019, uh, I could go on and on, but I, I think definitely this weekend, uh, there's, I even I was watching Breakfast this morning and they had a dedicated thing on TSN about why Ferrari is so bad. Like, they... <laughs> what? Like, uh, mm. I mean, like that race could not have gotten any worse, gone any worse for Leclerc. How do they box without his tires there? Well, I he just... called it way too late. So he was in the pit lane. Like he, he had passed the pit lane entry sign, I think, before he even called the tires. Oh, my God. And, and that's why they were not prepared for a wing change. They weren't prepared for the intermediate tires at all. And... uh that's why everyone was so confused about it. If you listen, if you listen to the radio, he called it after he entered the pit lane. So that's tough on your team to even have tires in the blankets ready for them to even go. So, uh, and then the damage on his car he created by going through the gravel traps just really just created a turmoil race for him. And finally they got went out of their misery through DNF and kind of, you know, conceded the race, but. I couldn't believe the fact that Leclerc was just getting overtaken after overtaken after overtaken, and then have Liam Lawson come in in his debut and create a challenge for him down in the back. Like that's gotta hurt a little bit. They when they showed the interview with him talking like as the race was going on about about the DNF and stuff, you could tell on the bright side he was a little bit more animated than we've seen him in some of the more recent ones because I think he knew like. I'm just glad that he's angry and not just despondent anymore <laughs> because it means that there's still something going on and like some fire in him to keep working. Apparent, uh, just to hear it, it sounds like the damage to the bottom of the car was just insurmountable. And out- he said they lost like 60 points off of it just uh, from the damage to the bottom, which like 
no, no kidding. It's undrivable at that point. Like that's, that's absolutely insane. I just generally feel bad for like our fans. Cause like they look at me to say like, Jonathan, what's going on with Ferrari? And I feel like every weekend since we've started this podcast, like I tried to like, I listened to one of our older episodes and I remember when Ferrari was up 40 points and how giddy I was, I was excited, but like, no, I don't really have any responses what's going on in Marinello right now. And, you know, actually they did make a good point of why maybe it's so hard to like with, with Ferrari be because like, you got to think about it, a lot of these teams are based in the UK and only really two teams are based in Italy, like Ferrari and AlphaTauri. I think they're moving late, but like, it's much easier for teammate teams. Like if you're going to leave Red Bull, you go to Austin Martin or whatever, but I don't know. It just, it, it's going to be tough this weekend. And especially like a track, like, how Monza is in like looking at the RB18. But I like- also have to commend, I think we have to really give props to the other side of the garage there and Carlos Sainz. Yeah. For the top yeah. five finish this week. I think you got to take a look at that positive if you're a Ferrari fan and be like, hey, the car was fast enough to beat Mercedes this weekend um, or based even on strategy. I was shocked Mercedes got the strategy wrong this weekend of all teams. Do you see the meme where George Russell thinks that he deserved a podium? Well, he was forecast for one. People thought that he would, given how he qualified and also his record driving in slick conditions. I do think that was presumptuous, given what we saw in qualifying. I can understand maybe a little bit why he was frustrated and and thought that perhaps that would have been the outcome. But yeah, the hilarious that he's like, um, should have been me on the podium. I'm like, uh, you weren't even in the running this entire time, bro. Where did he end up? Big haircut, P7, P7. small results. Mm. Sorry, man. Big haircut, small results. Ooh. Come on. Shots? He had that, like, jacket, like, one of those, like, puffy jackets on. I forget, like, with the, I don't know what you have this here, but, yeah, I know. He felt like he cared more about his outfit than the actual race in this weekend. Dude. We can't um, all be Lewis Hamilton. I, I, Some of us I, I just got to show up in the team merch and call it a day. That's very fair. <laughs> I want to say, though, that one guy that's kind of driving head and shoulders above the rest, considering the car that he has give, he's been given with, is Albon. Yo. What? Boy, what a race. What a drive from him on Sunday. Hey, 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 hey. Both Williams looked promising this weekend, other than Logan's crash. First American in the top 10 since, I think, Andretti in the... away. Oh, yeah. What do you mean? Like, that, it's been that long? Yeah. Last time an American has been in like the peak, uh, the final qualifying three. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I, but, but it's then Logan Sargent. So he crashed, but yeah. Uh, well, yes, but also very exciting to see those two cars. Cause we were laughing at them for being the smooth bottomed, smooth brained car of the bunch a few weeks ago. And I haven't seen if maybe during the summer break, there was a little bit of magic worked on it or something, but I mean, I think this is just proving time and again, like there's a reason Albon was in the Red Bull driver development program and he's clearly very skilled. And if he's giving any feedback to the folks in the Williams garage, it's it's working and they're they're taking it to heart. And it was actually quite impressive to see him there. And it, it gave me hope. I'm like, that's like more exciting things happening in the midfield now, like even more beyond what we've seen this year. The fact that he's able just to continue on those wets through that like rain period to start and not really lose any positions or kind of, well, but this says do lose some position, but able to keep the car on track so that when the track did dry up, he's able to last those sauce for, I think 35 laps, but Dang. funny how it works in terms of the give and take there, because he 
was not able to then flip onto another set of softs because he had to then worry about the the tire compound change where everybody who flipped on the inners did not have to worry about the tire compound change at all in terms of having to use two different sets. So they could have gone back onto sauce for the rest of the race. So interesting how that strategy worked out, but you know, he was able to kind of keep consistent and finish back up in the point. It's a much needed points for Williams and who are fighting for P seven in the, uh, construct in the constructors. That's actually really exciting that they're fighting for P seven because they've been so p9 battles against haas for the last couple of seasons it's nice to not be kind of scraping the bottom of the barrel for some points there and even looking at it where is it like like he's p13 he's he's got quite a gap to piastri sitting at 12th in the championship he's also got a bit of a gap to hulkenberg behind him like that's not a bad spot to be as as someone driving with a team like williams right now and you got to think about it. It's like as long if, if a team like them have been P10 in the or last place in the constructors for how many years, if they're able to pull off like a like a seventh place in the constructors, this like can mean wonders for like their development and like giving them extra cash for a team that probably isn't making the biggest bucks. It all it all goes to show that like it's it's a marathon, not a sprint. So every weekend really means a lot to them. I don't know if you guys saw the photo of all the bicycles. <laughs> Everyone biked into the tracks. So that was really cool to see. I think it was like, I don't know if this is a correct statistic, but I read it was 97% of the attendees rode a bike there. Heck yeah, that's awesome. Everyone channeling their inner Sebastian Vettel. I dig it. Also just, <laughs> they're, they're Dutch. So that's just, I feel like everyone there is like way more inclined to use transit or like, a bike or something like that instead of driving a car if presented with the opportunity so love the fact that that's kind of ingrained in the culture wish we had more of that here <laughs> i mentioned it like at the start of our review but i thought the fans were just absolutely incredible this weekend whenever it rained when there was a break in the you know break in the driving like the techno music was just playing and everyone was dancing in the stands and everyone was just having a grand time and that's what you love to see when uh, you know making the most of some situations there and everybody just having an absolute blast and really getting their money's worth for the weekend it was great to see and you know kudos to max he's made the, the hat trick of wins at his home grand prix and uh yeah the dutch know how to definitely celebrate oh also also would love to say that we need more live anthems at our events because they had I, I i don't know who this who the singer was but she sung the national anthem when max won and it's just like we need more of those live anthems to be played as opposed to the same you know iteration of the tape mm -hmm. it would be great to have more live performances yeah that would actually be really cool i agree get some variety in there mix it up and maybe you might not know we might have some opera singers singing the italian national anthem on the podium this weekend Oh, that'd be fantastic. So speaking about Italy, let's jump into it. Uh, I think already we're so we're filming this on Wednesday, August 30, 30th. And a couple of news has already come out uh, before the Italian Grand Prix. Ferrari is bringing back their their famous yellow. So there's going to be some more yellow on the, on the actual jackets that they're wearing. And as well as the uh, the car. Also, Alfatari brought out a really nice design car with the, the Italian colors of green, white, and red. Looks beautiful. Um, Liam um, Lawson is going to get a second opportunity to drive. Daniel Ricardo is still needs to recover. So 
those are so far that what we've seen. And Max Verstappen, I don't know if you guys saw it, he finally got his trophy fixed or a new trophy from his Hungarian Grand Prix. For those that don't remember, Lando Norris destroyed it. So <laughs> there was a special presentation of him get his trophy back. But so. one other thing that will be super cool to see in Monza, will Max set the record for the most consecutive wins? He's currently tied with Vettel for nine. Will he get that coveted 10th win in a row? Oh, and you can just you can just tell that the Ferrari fans will be very mad if he gets it in the home turf. But I, hey, they'll be I, super upset. But like, that's an amazing feat. I mean, he it's the temple of speed. He epitomizes speed at the current moment in Formula One. This track is suited for him. It's not a matter. Honestly, it sounds crazy. It's not a matter of if he wins. It's a matter by how much. That's fair. Because he might just blow everybody out of the water this weekend. Kind of like when Lewis Hamilton had uh, for his, the 2020 version of the Mercedes uh, and how just rapid he was around that circuit. I know that he got kind of caught out on a couple penalties, which led Gasly to win the race. But I just have the same, I just have this feeling that Red Bull is just an absolute rocket ship overall. And I think they're going to, I think Max is going to blow everybody in the water. I also think Williams are going to have a very good weekend here because their package suits the the overall s- speed of the track. A lot of long straights, a lot of fast corners. I think they're going to do fantastic this weekend. And I think just one thing to add here, uh, I think I, I don't, not a lot of people will know this, but I remember, I, if you guys remember in Hungary, um, they had the trial of the alternative tire allocation. And so that they're bringing it back this weekend. Hmm. Um, so, you know, normally you would have 13 sets of tires at, uh, at a weekend, but this weekend there'll be 11 per team. So it'll be three sets of hards, four sets of mediums and four sets of soft. So we get to see, I know a lot of people did not really like that qualifying, uh, with the different tires, but so we're probably going to be seeing, we're going to see that similar, uh, tire allocation this weekend. So curious to see if that really changes with any of the strategies and, and see if any teams can really rebound after that. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry, I was just Ferrari choking away in the weekend there. <laughs> you lose. You know what? They may have the yellow in their uniform, but I'm but up, 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 not loving it. And we'll see <laughs> if that translates to action on the track as well. On that note, I know. Okay, go ahead, Andrew. Sorry. Or, I was going to say, I love the gold. Um, like tire design that they have on the Alfa Romeo liveries this weekend on the on the rims. I they won't be touching any gold this weekend in terms of wins, but at least they're number one in looks on the livery chart. We got the Italian Grand Prix this weekend. I uh, really appreciate you guys sitting down and chatting uh midweek. I am going on a much needed vacation. So Andrew and Erica will take will be spearheading the pod for the next two weeks and uh continue to follow us on social media. Uh, actually, as we just spoke, we just gained another follower on our Instagram. So now we're 13 away from five, from 600. So continue to support us on Instagram. We are on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Spotify. We're also on Threads as well. Um, it's going to be a great weekend in Italy. Hopefully we'll see some great racing. But yeah, time will tell. Um, you know, Thank you for tuning in to this weekend of the F1 podcast. Myself, Andrew, and Erica. Wish you guys all a great week, and we'll see you after the Italian Grand Prix on our take if Max Verstappen will beat Sebastian Vettel's consecutive races wins record. Thanks, everyone.